0: Hi everyone. Dr. Tim and Hillary here for another session of Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary?
1: I am doing good. How are you?
0: Busy busy. Show season is officially starting where well, we got a uh, Aqua I think this weekend, the Aquaculture Conference. Reef of Palooza is coming up. Before that, um, out in Denver, Reef. Reef stock, and then the global um, show. And then the end of March, I am speaking at RazTech. What's RazTech, you ask?
1: I, you know, I was going to.
0: Aria, <laughs> <laughs> right, Recirculating Aquaculture Systems Conference that I've been invited to speak at. In Hilton Head, South Carolina, two-day conference. Oh, that
1: yeah. sounds awful. Just awful.
0: Well, I'm just flying in, doing the talk, and flying out. Oh, <laughs>
1: flying come out. on. No,
0: don't have, to, don't have to. Busy, busy, busy. That's just the end until the end of March. So then we've got uh, lots of stuff happening in April, too. So it's all good.
1: Yep, And And if you've been following our social media, you're hopefully as excited as I am because we started posting our bacteria jokes on Mondays. If you haven't seen those, please go back and watch. They are hilarious. I absolutely love them. We've had a really good response on them, too.
0: Yeah, probably because everybody's looking at me like, what a fool. But I don't think laughing at the jokes. But that's Okay. I, I uh, made up one, as I told you the other day, it was funny and scientific at the same time. How's that See, in the same sentence?
1: Mm-hmm. And that and that's why people come to our page. They like this.
0: Yes. So it's a thinking joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I won't listen again, maybe. Anyways, uh, so we're, today we are going to talk about acclimation.
1: Yes. I'm excited. You know, I've been, because some of you guys requested this on YouTube that we index the podcast videos. So I'm working on indexing those videos. It's a slow process, but I did the one, our very last episode, our main topic, and we talked about, oh, we should have a podcast on acclimation. So of course, here we are talking about acclimation and it's really interesting. You know, people talk about like, Oh, is my phone listening to me when I talk about things? Because I swear I've seen so many different articles and Instagram posts and people talking about, Oh, this is how I acclimate my fish. Or this is how I acclimate my coral. So hopefully this is a very timely podcast.
0: Yes. And not too controversial, but well, we can't promise that because I have very particular um, opinions on how to acclimate and for you, That uh, may not know, I used to run a really large fish hatchery. We um, grew the fish in San Diego, would bag them up, and then drive them out to the fish farm in uh, south of Indio, California. So it was a long drive, lots of fish and small, you know, fingerling fish in the, in the bags. Um, so I have a lot of experience with with acclimating fish, and and then shipping. Um, we used to ship fish all over the world, live fish, so and get fish in. So I have a lot of experience with shipping and receiving uh, fish that have been in the bags or changing from one environment to another, which is basically what acclimation is. Let's let's define that. So. You've got a coral or a fish and you're moving it from one environment to a next. So the water quality is going to be different in terms of temperature, salinity, you know, everything's just good. It's just a different environment. And how do you do that to success? So you don't shock the, the animal and uh, maximize its chance for survival. Exactly. Um, Want to add anything to that definition, Hillary?
1: No, I think that's a pretty good definition. I think you covered everything. And, you know, it's it's something that's important for every fish keeper, be you a freshwater fish keeper, a saltwater, or if you just have reef tanks. like This is something that's important for everybody across. Because nobody wants to spend all of that money buying fish or coral and then having them die because they weren't properly acclimated.
0: Yeah. And um, so what what you have to be aware of is how big that change is is there going to be a big change in temperature a big change in ph a big change in salinity between you might think the you know the environment they were in and the environment they're coming to but in reality When you put fish in a bag or coral in a bag, the bag environment changes over time. So once the bag reaches your location, the water in that bag in many respects may not uh, be at all the same as the water when it left. And I'll explain that in the bag let's take fish that's the you know most critical one maybe is obviously temperature if you're shipping the fish from one location to another like like right now in the midwest there's really bad storms going on planes are delayed boxes are sitting even if they're shipped in styrofoam with heat packs there can be a big temperature difference between the water Uh, when it arrives, you know, and and, uh, when it left. And so it's going to be much colder. Or in the summertime, if a plane sits out, cargo sits out in the, you know, runway in the middle of the desert, and yes, that can happen, uh, the bags may really heat up. So the temperature could be a lot warmer in the bag than what's, uh, what was the temperature in the environment they left, and what's the temperature of the environment that they're coming to. So, temperature is a big one. And temperature actually, I think, is an easy one. You can just float the bag, you know, and let the water temperature, you know, come together between the bag and the tank and, you know, acclimate that way. Also, most fish can handle temperature changes pretty well, unless, the water is just super hot or super cold. And in that case, you have to make a decision. Is it just better to get the animal out of the bag because the water in the bag is just too cold or just too warm and the and the animal needs to get, uh, be removed immediately?
1: Now, I've got a question. I've always heard that it's better for them to go say too cold than too warm that, you know, when it, the water warms up, it's, it causes more damage than it would if it were going colder. Is that true?
0: Generally? Yes. Because one thing, the warm water, less oxygen. So the, so as the bag heats up, there's less oxygen available to the fish. Secondly, as the bag water, gets hotter. Microbial processes are going to increase because bacteria basically um, grow faster in warmer environments. So the bacteria can be also consuming oxygen out of the bag. So it's definitely uh, better for the fish to have colder water. And even saltwater fish, and marine fish can tolerate cold water to a pretty good degree. And we're not talking Ice cold, but but it's de- definitely better for the fish because it slows every everyone's metabolism. The fish, the bacteria, just slows everything down, increases the oxygen, it slows the oxygen consumption. So it's definitely better um, when the fish is in colder water rather than in warmer water. Now, this the the other thing that happens. Um, depending on where you're getting your fish from, hopefully they've been off feed for a couple of days, because if they're excreting into the bag water, the, f- the waste is going to be broken down by bacteria. And that bacteria is converting that waste into ammonia and also consuming oxygen at the same time so good shippers will make sure the fish are off feed for at least 24 to 48 hours before they're shipped or in cases of coral um you know they're maybe not being fed but there's a minimal amount of algae or other extraneous organisms in the water. And of course, they're using good, clean water, meaning free of organics, because all that organic material is subject to bacterial degradation, you know, baking down by bacteria, which consumes oxygen and produces ammonia. And sometimes uh, animals are shipped just wet you know we used to ship lobsters they didn't need to be in water they just needed to be kept damp and and that makes it a lot easier you have to protect against temperatures but uh lobsters can go down to super cold temperatures so they're pretty they're pretty hardy to ship unlike oil. Okay
1: think uh, several of the times when we, when I worked at local fish stores, we would get, um, sometimes snails and hermit crabs would come in and just like damp newspaper with little to no water in there. It's always interesting. Oh, they don't need water. Cool. Right.
0: And if you're thinking of shipping fish, um, there's a whole nother talk, but you know, less water is better because you really need oxygen. As long as the fish is, um, covered so that it's you know not exposed its gills are not exposed you actually want more oxygen and that's why we ship with pure oxygen you you fill the bag up maybe a quarter with water add the animal collapse the bag to get all the air out and then fill the bag with pure oxygen and seal it with a rubber band or a clamp and then ship it like that uh, that's a pretty common way to ship it definitely with more oxygen in the bag than water. But we're talking about acclimation. So you get your fish in. The typical way you'll see is a couple, well, there's a couple of different ways. Some people will float the bags. Um, and if the temp, just to acclimate with temp, this is acclimating temperature. So it's the temperature of the bag is much different than the temperature, of the receiving water You put the bags in the tank, the vessel, whatever the receiving water is, and let them sit for a while. And that's fine unless the fish, if you can see, if you look at a bag and the water is super cloudy, there are signs of stressed fish or dead fish. In my opinion, floating the bag is not going to help with those fish. Those fish need to get in fresh water. As soon as possible. And the number. Oh, when you
1: say fresh water, you mean clean water, not necessarily. Yeah, like-
0: yeah. clean water. Yeah. 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 And one cardinal rule never put bag water in whatever you're putting your fish in. So don't in your aquarium, in your receiving vessel, in your tank, whatever. Basically, yes. you should have a bucket with a little water in it. A net in that bucket, open your bag and gently pour the fish through the bucket, the the fish and the nasty water through the buck through the net into that bucket. And then take the net, which has got all the fish in it or the fish in it, and put that in the clean water. Don't slice the bag open and let the bag and all that nasty water go into your aquarium. That's just that's just a recipe for potential disaster.
1: Yes and, and to that point I i mean I don't get new stuff that often but when I do um, you know if my bags need to be floated I will usually put them in like a separate container or something and float like the separate container with the bag in it so that I don't even you know because if, especially like from local fish stores and stuff. If you get them, you know the bags might be sitting down in water. You don't know what's in the water, or where the water's been. So I'm always overly cautious on stuff like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so the first thing to do when you get your bag in is assess what's the condition. Do I need? I mean, are the fishers the animals stressed? Obviously, if it's on its side or Another way to tell, like I said, is the water is super, super cloudy, milky, that's a pretty good sign. And you need to get the animal out of that nasty water immediately. Don't, I mean, this is my opinion, but it's backed by a lot of experience. Don't worry about temperature differences, pH difference, all that stuff. Get the animal in fresh, or in, I'll use clean, in clean water immediately. Now, another common way, say the bag looks good, the fish look good, everything's, you know, fine, is to do what's called a drip acclimation. And this is where you open the bag and you have like an airline or something, and you start a small siphon from the vessel the fish are going into, and you're drawing water from that into... In, in dripping it into the bag, the fish arrived in to slowly change the water in the bag to being more like the water in the aquarium. I don't like this method. And, <laughs> and I'll you know, sh-
1: basically, I'm listening to you. I was like, you basically just described what I would consider is. Acclamations, like you're slowly dripping and making the water the same and i maybe that's why so many people use this method because it's the first they think of
0: i don't know uh, i mean it's it's what you see maybe you go into a store and you see it um and, and it it maybe makes sense i'm going to Take and I'm going to slowly change over time the water in the bag from what it was to what it's going to be, you know, what the fish is in to what the fish is going to be in. And on the surface, that makes sense. But as I will explain, I think it does more harm than good, especially if the fish has been in that bag for any considerable amount of time, which to me is over just, you know, over a few hours. So here's what's going on in the bag.
1: Can can I interrupt you for a second? So when people are buying fish, say they get fish at their local fish store um, and say that the fish had just come in that morning or something, how long on average do you think are these fish traveling in the bags? Do you, you know, I guess it too it depends on where you are in the country, whether or not it's sat on like a two-hour plane ride or, you know, a 12-hour plane ride. But like when you think of fish and you know, animals in bags traveling on average, how long?
0: Uh it I mean if you it in the bag, probably less in I would say in the majority cases. Um, between 12 and less than 24 hours. I mean, the, the fish farms in Florida, uh, you know, bag and then get right to the airport that, that same day. And then it's shipped out overnight and arrives in the fish store or it's, it's bagged in the day shipped overnight arrives at the, at the airport in the morning, and then is shipped out or picked up. Um, so I would say that the vast majority of fish are in those bags less than 24 hours.
1: Wow. That's surprising. I don't know why I anticipated or expected them to have been in there for a month.
0: You're fading in and out for some reason. You expected them in and out longer. or yeah, you know,
1: I expected them to be in the, those bags for much longer than that. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, I, no, no. And, and I know some operations, um, Especially in salt water, they get their fish overseas. They actually make a stop in L.A. where there's a couple of big trans shippers, and they do a water change. They they grab those fish and those bags from the planes, take them, and do a big water change of you know, all new water, um, in, and rebag the fish, and then ship them out. So they're not in the same water or the same bag that they were originally shipped from. You know, from from Asia or from the the Philippines. It just depends on on the shipper. You know, now but now with you know during COVID, especially with uh, fewer and fewer airlines flying, it was hard to get some fish just because there wasn't the cargo traffic between the countries. Um, yeah, but- I
1: guess I guess that makes sense. You know, it's it's interesting. I've I've always found that fascinating because I feel like the travel and shipping fish and you know, I feel like that's something as an as hobbyists, we don't know a lot about. We only see the end point of all of that.
0: Yeah. Um there I mean, there've been a lot of articles. well, I don't know about a lot, but there I think if you went and searched, you'd see out there or but it's a it's a thing that maybe some of these companies maybe need to make more um transparent about uh, how they do ship and care. Cause some of these companies take amazing amount of care and expense. And you think, why is this fish so expensive? But it's gone through a couple water changes and uh, changed hands, you know, just to get it in good shape, continually good shape when it arrives at the store. And then some stores even quarantine their fish for a while before they get to you. Um, Fisher, are, fish are tough and done right. Uh, they can be shipped you know all over the world and arrive safely so, um, that's pretty but, cool um, in most cases if you're getting a fish you know there's if, if you're getting a fish from your local fish store and you go down there you you pick your fish you bag it you should take it right home for one thing I mean, you shouldn't then go to the, you know, another store grocery shopping, wandering around. The fish is in the bag. It's not getting any better in the bag. Get it at home and get it out of the bag. And in many cases, I know people aren't gonna want to hear this, but just pour the fish through the net in, you know, and get it in the net and put it in the tank. I don't really know that you need a lot of acclimation unless there's something really different about your tank and here is a scenario I've, I've heard several times is people you know they're they're not really in the market for the, a fish you know you know they're not purposely going there to the fish store but they wander into the store they're with their kids or something and they see a fish and yeah let's, let's you know get a fish so they they buy a fish and they take it home and they put it in their aquarium and the next day it's dead, a few hours or something, you know, what's happened. Now, this, this is what can happen in, in this situation is that if you haven't been maintaining your aquarium, the pH and the water chemistry of your aquarium can be much different than that of a fish store. Because usually fish stores are going through a lot of water. They're they're taking the water out to bag the fish. So they're putting in new water into their systems. You, on the other hand, maybe are not keeping up on your maintenance. And especially with saltwater fish, but it can happen with fresh water. The water quality in the tank can become much different. I had one case where this one person couldn't keep new fish alive, and it turned out their salinity was just really high. Generally, it's going to be that your pH is going to be really low because, as we've talked about in many podcasts, nitrification is adding an acid. It's causing the alkalinity to be consumed, which then causes the pH to drop. So the natural tendency of all aquariums is for the pH to lower or go, you know, to go down. But the pH in a fish store, especially, you know, in this area, uh, California, even Vegas, where we have hard, high alkalinity water, our pH is high. And so your pH in your aquarium, the fish that are in there have slowly gotten used to that, dropping of the pH. This is especially true in freshwater systems. You know, it's the pH has changed over time. The fish have gotten used to that slow change. But now you take a fish and put it in from a high pH environment and put it right into that aquarium immediately, even with a little bit of you know acclimation, drip acclimation, if that's what you want to do. And the fish just doesn't see just doesn't change you know can't tolerate that big change so the moral of that story is unless you know your water quality is good and you've been keeping up on your maintenance buying a fish at the spur of the moment is probably not the best idea
1: i would never recommend impulse buying fish please always do your research before you buy anything and make sure you're prepared to bring it home yeah. including maintenance on your tanks
0: and you know right and, and that's why and that it's time. always good to uh you know you know get to know your local fish store they're a resource you know and and uh what what kind of fish freshwater fish are amazingly versatile you, know, you don't have to keep a discus that comes from soft low ph water in a soft low ph tank they can they do fine in southern california water maybe if you want to spawn them but most people aren't into you know spawning their fish. They just want a nice fish aquarium. What they don't like is the big giant changes, and that's why you want to be doing your maintenance and um, before you add fish, make sure you've done water changes, clean the filter, and, and keep up on that so that the pH and the alkalinity are in good shape, and you're not um, exposing a fish from an aquarium in a store to a much, much different water quality environment of your aquarium that you haven't been maintaining. And there's another subtle hint there, maintain your aquarium.
1: (laughs) And I'm going to say shameless plug. um, First fence is something else good that you could keep on hand to add to your tank when you're adding fish.
0: Yeah. But it's more and more common that people are buying fish, uh, from different locations and having them shipped in, so the fish has been in the bag for several hours. So let's go back to what we originally talked about in terms of the drip acclimation. So what what's happened in this in the bag? So here's why: in 99% of the cases. I do not like what's commonly called the drip acclimation, which is where you open the bag and slowly drip water from your aquarium into the bag of water with the fish in it that the fish just arrived in. So the fish has been in this bag. It's respiring, which means it's putting in CO2. CO2 in the water is now causing the pH of that water to drop. The fish is also... um, even if it hasn't been fed for 24 hours, it's still excreting ammonia into the bag. There's no biofiltration in the bag, so the ammonia is building up. But because of the CO2, the pH in the bag is dropping. And you can test this, you can take a sample when you open the bag and you're gonna find that the pH is low. And you can take an ammonia test And in many cases, you're going to find the pH is high. I'm sorry, the ammonia is high. So the pH is low, the ammonia is high, and the fish is fine. And that is because, as you've been listening to these podcasts, you know now that the majority or all the uh, total ammonia in that bag water is in the ammonium, the NH4 plus form, which is the non-toxic form and the fish is doing fine it's in that non-toxic form because the ph is low 6 or lower now what do you do you take your beautiful clean water and start dropping it into that tank into the bag and you've opened the bag which is letting the co2 out some people even put an air stone in the bag thinking that's going to help bubble and it will help a little bit bubble up the co2 but you're dripping in that great new water, what's going to happen? The pH is going to rise. And if you're in Southern California, that pH is quickly going to rise to 8 or 8.2, which is the typical water we have here. As that pH rises, all that ammonium starts to switch. You know, Not all, not 100%, but a great um, majority of that. Ammonium starts to switch to ammonia, 5%, 10% depending on the pH. That's the toxic form. And if you've got total ammonia off the scale, and now you're increasing the pH so that even 5 or 10% of the total ammonia is in the ammonia form, the NH3, the toxic form, it can be so high in the bag that the fish immediately start to become stressed. And this is why I don't really like drip acclimation because your fish was doing fine in that low pH, high ammonium environment. It's not going to do well in the high pH, now ammonia present environment in Assuming the temperatures were within, I mean, really, it's pretty hardy, fish are pretty hardy, 10 degrees or so. And you can do that by floating the bag for a little bit. My contention is it is always better to get the fish out of that high uh, or low pH, high ammonium, high CO2 environment into new water. Because as we've talked about, if the you know, once you start drip acclimating and increasing the pH, the, the ammonium shifting to the wrong form, and it can definitely poison your fish in just the short few hours that you have the fish in the back. I've seen it, um, because the, you know, the total ammonia can be super, super high in these backs. That's my short basically definition. Um, we, we would never keep fry, so you know, the smaller the fish, um, the more sensitive it is, um, to ammonia poisoning. I mean, you can look at ammonia toxicity studies if you remember, I've done this for my masters, and the ammonia toxicity, the LC. 50 for 24 hours. That's the concentration that kills 50% of the fish in 24 hours. You can do it for eight hours. It generally smaller fish, it a lower amount of ammonia will harm them than if they were bigger. So the bigger the fish, the more ammonia they can tolerate. So small fish, which is generally what people are buying, don't tolerate the, the ammonia as well as bigger fish. So get them out of the back. Now, I don't know if you were taught, Hillary. We don't talk about these things beforehand, folks.
1: No, we don't. you know, it's crazy. I've worked, so I've worked at a public aquarium and I've worked at two different local fish stores, different sides of the country. And it's wild. Like everybody had their own set way of how they wanted you to acclimate fish. And it's funny, like they would talk to people, like the owners of the store would talk to people and they're like, well, I talked to so-and-so and now we need to acclimate this way, or we need to do this, 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 and this but it, it was interesting. Like, I don't think anybody ever really talked about the science behind why you should acclimate one way or the other, but here we have.
0: Right. Right. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I'd like to give people reasons. If you look at what's, what's happening, well, CO2 buildup, that's not good. And we know it's building up in the tank or in the, in the back. Um, and also, uh Ammonia, you know, we know you can, you can just measure this. You can take your test kit, measure, and the ammonium is going to be off the scale. It may be so high you have to dilute. Well, now you start changing the water. We know what's going to happen. You're not generally putting low pH water in that tank. You're acclimating with higher pH, higher the pH shifts, which means that more of that total ammonia is going into the NH3 form that's going to harm the fish. Temperature. A lot of people want to talk about temperature, but if your fish has come in and it's co- really cold, that's not doing the fish any good to be you know really cold. Now let's talk about that. Uh, it, depending on the fish, what's what would be a change where you would float the back? Um, and it really does depend upon upon the fish. I would say any temperature change greater than 10 degrees Fahrenheit in either direction. So your tank is set for 75. If your fish come in at 60 degrees or less, you probably want to acclimate. They come in at, you know, 85, 90 degrees. You may want to act, act, you know, just float the bag. Don't open the bag. Okay. Because Once you open the bag, the CO2 is going to off gas and then the pH is going to increase and then you start affecting the ammonia ratio. So just keep the bag sealed. If the fish are swimming in there, I mean, the number one thing to look at is how is the organism in the back? Are the fish swimming? The water's clear the corals, you know, when corals get stressed, they'll produce a lot of mucus. So is there a lot of mucus on the corals? Is the water cloudy? Those are indicators that life in the bag is not good. And I, I just know from experience, the organism would be much better getting it out of that nasty bag water into clean new water. And whatever you might be concerned about, temperature, salinity things like that most fish can tolerate much bigger changes than we think in those parameters they would just like to get out of that bag in that nasty water it would give them a much better chance of survival and you know we're not always talking about are they gonna you know are they acute toxicity are gonna die right now but in that bag if the water's gone nasty the fish are stressed. Think about you know if you were in a sealed room and someone was uh, was the room was not the air in the room wasn't being exchanged and the CO two and you know the carbon monoxide's building up, you're becoming more and more stressed, which leaves you even when you get maybe get out of the room, it's more susceptible to a secondary disease. You know, getting getting sick a day or two later because you were in such bad environment. And that's where something like the, the first defense can help, you know, we we always recommend adding that to the, whatever vessel the organisms going into afterwards, it helps stimulate the immune system. The vitamins help stimulate the immune system and fight off infection and things like that. So that assists the fish. Um, But I, I, It would be interesting to have a debate with someone who would, if I could find someone who would say, keep the fish in that nasty bag water. (laughs) I don't see a point.
1: I I don't know that you're going to find any, hopefully you wouldn't find anybody like
0: that. Yeah. Um, But some people really believe in the drip acclimation and you'll see that all, you know, all over where they'll add, uh, you know, sometimes they'll pour the fish out of the bag, but in the, in that nasty bag water into a bucket. And they'll immediately add 50% new water and then they'll start drip acclimating, but you still have that nasty bag water, which is full of ammonia, depending on where the fish came from. And I just don't believe that's the correct way to do things from the fish's health point. Get it out of that ammonia water.
1: Okay. Now I've got two questions for you. So one, are there... Some species of fish that just like acclimating in any sort of change just is way too stressful for them, like rasses, for some reason just come to mind as a species that don't do what like I'm trying to think there's some species of rats that just they really just don't do well with acclimating to the point like people have recommended you make sure you turn the light off if you've got any light make sure it's like a red light and you know let them sit in the box for a while before you open the box and then you know just super gentle I feel like drip acclimation was part of their process but it sounds like maybe that was causing more stress to them along the way do you yeah, know of any it, species well, that you know fall outside
0: yeah of this um,
1: method?
0: Well, we've literally gotten uh, on the freshwater side immediately comes to mind as rummy nose tetris and neon tetris. I mean, we we've literally gotten fish shipped up from LA to the lab. So they've they've been they were bagged that morning a few hours in the truck, come up to the lab open the bag, pour the fish through the net, put them in the tank and they all just turn upside down. You know, and it's the, the, those species can be very hard. Um, and I don't, I, right. I couldn't tell you why. I mean, the water, I know the water in the, where they are. I know our water. It's all good. It's hard chlorine free. Um, But what you did say, you know, when you're acclimating fish, definitely have the lights off. I mean, they're light sensitive, the bright lights, they want to, you know, it's just stress points. You're just trying to eliminate stresses and fish generally don't live in that bright light. Like, you know, you see in the detective movies where they're shining the light in your eye, make me talk, you know, or something like that. The fish don't live in that type of super bright environment. It stresses them. So definitely turn, um, the, the, you know, lights down or off Um, tank mates, you know, some fish when they get in the tank, they're disoriented. They want to, they want a safe place to hide, but if there's other active fish in there, they see, you know, potential meal that isn't really, you know, in its right state right now, that's a little disoriented. And that's a time when they can attack. So depending on what the tank mates are, they're definitely um, on the saltwater side, uh, the um, uh, what are the called the um, oh shoot my mind just went blank the basslets um, I seem to have more problem with smaller fish um, than larger fish but there's there's definitely some fish the um, it's, it's, um, Australian rainbows during the winter time, if they, now that's a fish that doesn't really like cold water. So when you see them, we we've had this where they've, they've come in and they're kind of on their side in the bag and that you don't look good. Don't, you know, don't give up on the, don't give up on the fish, just change water, get it to warmer, clean water and, uh, add some like first defense and usually an aeration, you know, you're trying to get whatever in their system because whether it's CO2 or ammonia, you want it to off gas out of the fish into that, you know, it'll go from the high environment of the fish to the low environment of the new water and uh, provide good aeration, water flow and clean water. And in most cases, your fish will do well. Um, one fish, uh, powder blue tangs tend to break down. And this is why the acclimation just the first part. You can tell after you've kept fish for a while when a fish is going to be what's called break, which is being come down with the disease. If a fish has got clamped fins and is up near the surface and it's just kind of shimmy, shimmering, shimming, you know, just in the water. That's a pretty good sign that the fish is stressed. And I would start a disease treatment regime immediately with that fish. If you can catch it without too much work, put it in a, in a quarantine, we should be in a quarantine tank anyways, but in a hospital tank where you can treat it, you want to start that before you start seeing any type of disease organisms or, you know, bacteria or spots or something like that. It's just kind of an early sign that the fish aren't doing well. If they're just hovering in one place with their fins clamped close to their body, that's a pretty telltale sign that they're um, not doing well. Um, Eels. yeah.
1: And you know, that's one of the things that I've talked. Go go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I'll say one of the things that I've talked about before is like, And we've, I think we've even talked about this on the podcast is like to observe the fish and spend some time like paying attention. Like you've got your fish in your tank, you know what normal behavior looks like. So if you see a fish acting like that, like, Oh, there's something wrong. Definitely, you know, hop on that and, you know, do something to treat it right? and try and reduce its stress.
0: Yeah. You know, we, when we get fish in and, uh, you know we used to do um marine land. we'd ship fish from the the lab to the different shows and you'd get 80 90 bags of fish um you you open the the box and you take a quick look of on your kind of um looking at all the bags okay is there a bag that's open is there a fish because things happen is there a fish that's not looking too well treat that one first get it out of that water into new water as soon as you can um trying to think of extreme you know most uh corals do do you know do better in shipping than, uh, fish, um, shrimp, you would treat them like, a, like, a like a fish and be, you know, very careful because sometimes I've had, oh yeah, you know, there, I ordered four shrimp and they came in and there were eight. Well, no, the, the, the shrimp molted, you know, when they, sometimes when they get stressed, they'll molt, which just grow, they'll shed their ectoskeleton. So, uh, you know, be careful. Don't don't think that everything's um, dead in the in the tank. You know, observe the bag closely and get all the organisms out of there and get them in new water, and then take a look. I a lot of times going through a lot of bags. You wear a, one of those little minor headlights. You know, on your forehead. That way, you've got your hands free, but you can be looking with a light. real. real close at the at the corals or at the shrimp or whatever especially these small organs to see how they're doing but observing is key to the whole thing
1: yeah and you know i want to touch on something that you said a minute ago about like the environment that they're going into hopefully you've got a quarantine tank but you know you talk about like fish going after other fish so i i had clownfish that had gone through quarantine i put them in my main display with my cowfish you think the cowfish are slow and awkward and can't swim. Nope. One of the clownfish lost a chunk out of its dorsal fin because the cowfish caught it. I was like, oh goodness. So one of the things that I like to do if I'm adding new fish to an existing tank that has fish, I'd like to one, obviously keep the lights off, but two, maybe give my existing fish in the tank like a snack and a meal before I add the new fish. So hopefully they're less likely to go after the new species that I'm putting in thinking that they're a snack.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. Divert them and divert their attention with food. Uh, and that gives the new, the new fish a chance to, or, you know, uh, orient. Okay. I'm in the water. I'm here. I can swim. I can find a hiding spot, you know, and things like that. Um, that that's a good point, Hillary.
1: Yeah. We all want new fish to be successful in our tanks. So every little step that we can take might as well. Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, definitely should be putting them in a quarantine tank to observe them. Um, but but as we've stressed many times, the key to successful acclimation is observing the fish, having good, clean aerated water available. And as I said, in my opinion, it's backed by lots of experience it's better to in almost all cases uh to get the fish out of that bag into the the new clean water and never put any of that nasty bag water in your system
1: nope good advice
0: yeah and and also depending on the source you know some some places add um antibiotics or you know some types of medication to that bag water too the idea being to reduce or re- retard the growth of bacteria in the water because, you know because that's what's producing uh, you know, the or breaking down the organics. And as I said, the bacteria could be consuming organics and producing ammonia. So if you add some antibiotics or certain, certain medications to that, you can slow that process. And you don't want any of that in your uh, hospital tank. Or if you're going right into the display tank, you don't want it there either.
1: No, definitely not.
0: So is that... I think that pretty much covers um, the acclimation.
1: Yeah, I I think so. I think this is good. Like we explained why, and if you want more detail on like ammonia and toxicity and stuff like that, check out our previous podcast. Um, We have a ton more detail in that we go actually into a good bit of depth on that. Um, But yeah, I think this did a good job covering it. And if you're looking for a way, how you should acclimate your fish, this is how you should acclimate your fish. We've got the science, the chemistry behind it.
0: And as Go always, if you have questions, <laughs> we we, are, we always do question and answer. So you can contact us via social media or info at Dr. Tim's Aquatics. And if you've got a question about acclimation or anything else related to um, you know, fish keeping, coral keeping, and the hobby, and things like that, please submit your question, and we'll cover it in another episode, but if we've left something out, you know, about acclimating, please um, contact us, and we'll cover it.
1: Yep, absolutely, and if you are at any of the shows, because I don't think we're going to record another podcast before any of the shows, um, come see us, come say hi. I think we have swag at all of our booths at all the shows so come by grab some stuff say hello take a photo tag us on social media i'd love that
0: yep yep always nice seeing people get out we're we're loose again traveling the country
1: Woo-hoo. Woo.
0: yes all right everybody um, thanks for listening this has been uh, dr tim and hillary with another dr tim's aquatics podcast again thank you very much